How are the leaders at all levels of management tackling the toughest challenges each day? That's the question. And this podcast is the answer. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'm bringing on the brightest minds in management to share practical solutions to those challenges you're facing. Let's get ready to jam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Jam session. The focus of today's episode has to deal with a question that I get hit with all the time. The question is, how do you overcome an employee who wants to get promoted, but your boss or your peers or senior leadership, whoever the decision makers are, they don't think your employee is ready for that promotion. Now, it might be because they don't have the skills, or perhaps it's because there's some negative perceptions swirling around this employee, some baggage they're carrying, and perhaps this employee isn't even aware of it. How do you handle that? And that's a very tough scenario to deal with. Well, I was having a recent discussion with some colleagues that I used to work with, and I threw the question out there to them. And the discussion lasted about 15 minutes. I'm gonna tee it up here in just a moment, uh, and then I'll bring you back on the back end, and then I'll come back on and summarize the key takeaways for you. And just some background on uh, my colleagues who I used to work with. You'll hear from Kim Metcalf, who I used to work for, uh, Paul Cantanzaro, who used to work for me, and we both reported up into Kim, and Joe Schneblin, who used to work closely with us during that period as well. All three very talented, very, uh, very seasoned leaders. And I think you'll enjoy the discussion. So take a listen, and I'll see you on the back end real soon. So here's the scenario I come across uh, in terms of how do you handle this. So you have an employee that you feel is ready to get promoted, but uh, your boss or senior leadership um, has a different opinion. Have you guys come across that? How do you even try to deal with that? So I had an individual that was been with the organization a long time and was carrying a lot of baggage and they qualified for uh, a next level promotion in their position. It's within their uh, position's career ladder. But because of a past history, even though it was way in the past, it was clouding a lot of, uh, of people's ability to objectively judge and look at this individual in, in the light they were supposed to be looked at. And, I, you know, I think that's something that a lot of, a lot of candidates deal with. It, for, from a tenure standpoint, if you've been around a long time, um, and I, I think that's where it becomes the position of the manager to really – to be very specific about what you're talking about, if, especially if it's a group discussion about the promotion and it has to go through, let's say, an approval at maybe a region level or a group of managers uh, to move it up the ladder. Uh, I, I think it's the most important thing you do is keep it to the criteria that you're discussing and make sure everybody understands, look, we're not going to get involved in, in, in historical reference points. What we're talking about is, one, do they meet the eligibility criteria? And two, how do they fit up against other candidates in that criteria? And if this person is, you know, is, is worthy of that, then, then they should get the promotion. Because what we're, you know, it's not so much about everybody deserves a second chance. It's more if, if you meet the criteria and you've done everything that's been asked of you to, to be promoted, then you've got to look past what's, what's way in the past. You've got to look at what, what that person has accomplished. So this comes up, this comes up a lot right? People get stuck on a snapshot in time and very difficult for mm. managers or senior leaders, or, I mean, all of us, we, we all fall into this trap of moving forward, mm -hmm. on, right? 
And I think what you bring up, you know, it's a great point, right? In terms of if, if you're doing this type of like calibration or, you know, group meeting, I'm just curious, is there anything you can do to help that maybe even ahead of time? I'm just curious, Joe or, or Kim, if you've ever had to deal with this or any techniques you've used. Yeah. I mean, I think everything that Paul said is right, you know, and I think there's two scenarios, right? Someone that doesn't have any baggage, um, that you think is ready, but the perception of everyone around is maybe not the same as yours as the manager, right? So that's an easier situation because then what you need to do is, you know, it's kind of like you test the water. So, you know, even if you're certain that someone is ready for promotion, you know, a strategy I always used was, you know, have the discussion with the person, um, you know, if they've brought it up to me, or I'm thinking about it um, and have a, have a, you know, conversation with a, a couple different people in the peer set, my peer set, who also will be integral in, you know, making sure that everything gets approved, you know, for the promotion, right? Cause you can't do it in a vacuum. If you do it in a vacuum and try to push and railroad people through, it doesn't set them up for success, right? You want everybody to be on board with the promotion so that when they get in their new role, everybody's all in and helping them. I think it can be challenging if someone has baggage. So let's say some like maybe the example that Paul used, you know, a, a kind of a history and you know it and you're having the discussion with the individual and they say, you know, I want to be promoted. I wouldn't jump into a discussion right there, even though you know they've got this history they're going to have to overcome. You probably want to get some input from peers before you go back. And like Paul said, be specific. And, you know, in my past, um, you know, I have had that situation occur several times um, where there, you know, that snapshot wasn't the greatest and I knew it. And when that would happen, I would often go to my boss and, you know, just update on what's going on with the team and just say, no action required. I just want you to know I had a development talk with, you know, person X. And person X has the desire to do more. And then, of course, there'd be the visual response. And don't you remember what happened this time? And no way, that cost us this. I, I'd say, I'm not asking this for the promotion today. I just wanted to float it because I need to get some very specific action items that I can go back to this person with to incorporate in a plan for readiness. And, you know, what you're doing then is you're kind of letting people know that there's now this desire. There might be a renewed look at this person and you get the plan together that as the renewed look is happening, the snapshots are favorable and, you know, demonstrating maybe they've matured professionally, personally, whatever. But I think the expectation to set with someone who does not have uh, a pristine past is that it's going to take some time. And, you're, and they probably are coming to you because they know there's an opening or there's going to be one and they want to go for it right then and there. I think that's the hardest part at that point to say, pump the brakes. We got some work to do. This is not going to be the opportunity you pursue. There'll be one in the future, but we've got some work to do to get um, you know, the perception of you in the right light to be promoted. I'm just curious, how many times do you have to have that discussion about me? With your boss. Actually, don't answer that. Anyway, well, I, all right. So. I thought we weren't supposed to name names. Oh, well. I, I, I thought we were talking. About, I thought we were talking. 
Are we talking about Paul? I can't remember. I, Who are you talking about? <laughs> it could be you anybody know, on this call. I could. Ah. But what do you do when you have somebody who really, you know, you know they, they've got the chops, you know they've got the skills, they're still dealing with, let's say, baggage or whatever, right? It could be properly placed on them or it might be, it might be an incorrect view on them, regardless, right? It's not so much anymore about the skills because you know they can do it. Uh, and maybe they've, you know, maybe over time, they have modified or, or have progressed where they needed to. And yet you still have that resistance. How do you overcome that? You might not. Yeah. You might not. I think that d- depending on what, whatever, ha- whatever happened, sometimes with the culture of your organization, maybe, you know, maybe I went for a job and I got it and my, my skill set was completely unrelated to that job. And, there were, you know, there were a lot of extenuating circumstances or whatever. And I just did an okay thing in that job. And now I have this reputation of someone that's not that, not that great because, Oh, we gave him a promotion and this is what happened. And, you know, so it's, it's sort of an organizational thing also in your, your leadership team talking about people realistically that, you know, what are, what are the talents of, of, of Joe and Kim and Paul and what are the, you know, what are the jobs that they're best suited for? And maybe they were put in a role and there was a lot of transition in that role. There was no, you know, maybe there was a, you know, leadership. So there were, there were situations. And and now that person is, is stuck with this. Oh, they didn't do very well in that role. So they can't do any of these other roles. And, you know, I've seen situations where there was a leader that said, you know, I I think this person would do well in these other roles, but, but it, it was almost, it took someone higher up saying, you know, I see value in this person, you know, just because they tried this one thing and didn't do well, should that ruin their whole career? And then they've gone over into, into other roles and done really, really, really well. So, I mean, that's, that's one, you know, that's a positive situation, but you know, if it's, if it's where they really, really had some sort of situation come up and, and it was like, you know, maybe it was personal or, you know, depending on what, you know, that, I mean, there's too many scenarios to, to count there, I but guess. That, that, but, but that's a very common scenario. That scenario right there, yeah. right? And, and we actually had yeah, someone but, on the team, Kim, that um, was uh, a rock star, you know, uh, as a sales rep. And the idea was, well, let's just, you know, make them a regional training manager. And, you know, at the end of the day, they were average at best. And it, at best. At best. Hey, Rob, that hurts. So wait, wait, right. We're not talking about Paul. Let's clarify. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely not Paul. Paul was great. Right. Uh, And, 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 you know, that comes down to a discussion of fit for the role. Exactly. Aligning the strengths to the, and the competencies to the role. Right. I think that the situation that Joe talked about, there's one thing about getting people put in a role and they, you know, they're just average in the promoted role. Right. You get a label for that. I think that's easier to overcome with, you know, realistic discussion about fit, looking at their talents, you know, where should we put them, right? And, and I've moved people out of roles into other roles that were better suited for them. You just can't let them sit there too long. I think that the baggage piece is that, you know, someone does, you know, they're, they're completely, you know, they're a compliance nightmare. They've done crazy things in the past. To me, that's the negative baggage that sometimes you can't overcome. 
the the fit, the job fit baggage, I don't really look at that too much as baggage because anybody that promoted someone into a role, you got to own that. If you didn't put them in a job with the right fit or give them enough support to, to be successful, um, but usually that's it takes, easier, I think, to overcome. But usually it takes, you know, people who are aware of that, leaders that come in and recognize that. But it's the ones that, that promote some of these individuals that won't admit that that was because of what they did as leaders, moving them into their roles. And they would never admit that. All of a sudden, you know, person A was a rock star, gets promoted, all of a sudden they suck. How is that mm-hmm. possible? And whose fault really is that? For the leaders that recognize that and know that, they walk in and, and they, it's easy for them to, to see it. Right and align yeah. the right talents. Yeah. It's real fun to say to your peers, "I made a mistake with this hire. I got the right. wrong person in the wrong job." Yeah. And you know that's also the beauty of doing, you know, having some of your peer set help you to interview for roles. Because when there is a miss, it's not just you, the hiring manager. It's the team that assess to say, "Yeah, this was going to be a good fit." Everybody's got to own it because if everybody agreed that this would be a good role for this person, you put them in it and it doesn't go well, the manager has to say it, but you should have some backup from other people who also kind of gave the nod and agreed with your assessment and an idea for promotion. First time you do it, it's very difficult, but then after it happens, it, you know, it doesn't happen probably a lot. The, the further the next times are easier because the longer you let that person stay in a role that they're not a right fit for, the more detrimental it's going to be to their career. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. That's what I was going to say is the baggage does matter. There's degrees of baggage. And, and to Kim's point, if it's something from a fit role, that's something easy to transition out of. If it's if it's if it's other baggage that you're carrying, you know, fit and role baggage is something you could just carry luggage on to your next next position. And eventually, maybe you know your luggage gets a little lighter as you as you work things out. Um, it, stuff you've done, you know, in the past, it, it can be a little harder. And you know, the other thing I'll say is, you know, Rob, one thing I always remember that, that we talked about is, hey, you can learn as much from a bad leader as you can from a good leader. Yeah. And and sometimes the lessons you learn are more valuable from someone who is not a good leader to y'all's point of, of somebody not owning up to putting somebody in the wrong position and then just letting them flounder. Uh, you can learn more as much and how to develop yourself and in, in not doing those things and helping people as you can from somebody who's an excellent leader. Yeah. So let's talk about Paul now. So Paul did overcome baggage. So <laughs> <laughs> many times over and over. <laughs> I, re- I remember the discussion. I remember yeah. the discussion when I had to put my toe in the water and throw yeah. his name for a, a potential candidate on my team. <laughs> it was not. It was not pretty. What came back at me from my we got, Yeah, yeah. And I well, realized I, I, there was but, a lot. There was a lot of work to be done. That yep. took courage, <laughs> managerial courage. Well, you know, but, I that, you know, we relieved the redemption. And that was something, and I think that that was the culture of our, you know, company at the time, that we weren't afraid to make mistakes because the philosophy of the senior leader was, if we make mistakes, we're learning. If we're not making mistakes, we're not moving forward. And kind of what went with that in tandem 
is this idea of redemption, that everybody makes mistakes, myself included. This is the leader speaking. So I would like to have redemption when I make a mistake. So I feel that we should believe in redemption in this organization. And those were the words that came out of my mouth when I got massive blowback, uh, dipping my toe in the water with Paul. And I said, you know, this is what we believe. And it was, sep- it was several conversations um, to even get it to be palatable. But I, I believe that Paul would be a good candidate for the team and had seen the errors of his ways and was definitely mature in the way he was managing the perception that he was trying to overcome. So I felt it was worth it. And we got there, but it wasn't yeah. quick. No, and I go back to thinking about that, Kim. Uh, I interviewed twice for that job, so I didn't get it the first time. And, uh, you know, I, I remember this vividly because I, I called Rob. I was on vacation when, I, when he called me and let me know I didn't get the job. And so I asked him, it goes back to, you know, what can I do better? What things, I, you know, how, what would I do to, to be a better candidate next go around? And when it ultimately did come around uh, a year or so later and I actually got the position, one of the first things I asked Rob is like, why'd you hire me? And he said, well, what kind of leader would I be if I gave you very specific instructions on what to do? And then you come back and you check the box on every one of those. And then I pass over you. So, you know, that was, that was the lesson I took forward as, as I developed my career and got the chance to lead teams was just the redemption factor that you talk about. And having those crucial conversations, because you had many crucial conversations with me over the years to get ready for that. It wasn't like I just showed up and interviewed. There were talks many times that I had with, with you, Kim, and then, and then uh, the discussions I had with Rob. Uh, I remember, you know, he gave me opportunities to do, to do stuff at meetings, and I changed it up one time and went to him right after I changed it up and told him, you know, why I changed it up and, and, uh, and, and what the reason was. And so those are... I think those are all integral parts, but I think there's also the accountability of the person um, that, you know, yeah. in addition to the managerial courage it takes and, and floating stuff out there. From the sidelines. So, you know, Kim had done her part. She had floated it by. Rob is a hiring manager and, and he's trying to help Paul. To Paul's point, Paul is the candidate and Paul had a lot to do in that, that time. He had opportunities to, you know, to lead workshops and, and things that were showing the skills for that job. And he took all those opportunities and knocked them out of the park so that, so that, you know, the discussions in that Rob and Kim are having, you know, were much easier because, you know, sure, maybe there was this one incident in the past that was some, you know, mistake or something, but the skill set that Paul needed, he was, he was actually doing it. And, (laughs) and he was, and he was working toward that, you know, and, and so, you know, like like Paul's saying that the candidate themselves, you know, the manager can only do so much. The leader can only do so much, you know, and, and that person, Paul, had to do a lot with the opportunities that he was given. And he did that and ultimately was very successful. The one thing Paul said about, you know, um, I had a plan and I checked the box. I, I cringe when I hear people say I checked the box. You know, because sometimes we get people who literally have a a checklist to say, you said I could get the job if I do all these things. I think the difference in Paul's situation is that he didn't just check the box, right? As Joe said, he embraced every opportunity 
that was given to him and dove right in and did very, very well. It wasn't like, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. He not only did it, he did it exceptionally well and it wasn't an exercise. And, And his approach also was very important as Rob was looking, as I was looking and then had to sell it up to the next level that, you know, he embraced this and he didn't just check the box. He did everything we asked him and more and really has taken that development plan and enhanced himself to, to a new whole new level. So that is very different than just checking the box because Paul, you didn't just check the box. You did like Joe said, <laughs> hit all those opportunities out of the park. So you created opportunities you. for yourself. It's all about the effort, right, Rob? It's all about the effort. And she's still coaching. Yeah. See that? Yes. So um, <laughs> it takes a coordinated effort, right? It's possible to overcome. And Paul, I appreciate you uh, letting us use you as, as, oh, as absolutely. for a little bit. And uh, um, it's possible to overcome it, overcome it, but you can see it takes a well-coordinated effort on all parties involved that doesn't happen overnight. All right. So let's summarize some of the key takeaways. Uh, but first, a big shout out to Paul. Uh, appreciate his vulnerability and sharing his his story with us. And and to be fair to Paul, just some additional context. Some of that the baggage that we were talking about had to to do with uh, a guilty by association scenario. And and unfortunately, a lot of us fall into that. Where depending on our peers or who you report into, sometimes that unfortunately gets carried across to you. Uh, but let's talk about some of the the, the key takeaways and. You know, one of the first things, and Paul talked about this right out of the gate, is when you have an employee who wants to get promoted, you do have to first look at the criteria and, and make sure that you have very specific examples that align to those demonstrated skills needed for that promotion. Next, uh, as Kim talked about, you, you really need to test the waters first. You know, reach out to your peers, uh, dip your toe in the water with your manager, Uh, whoever the decision makers are, test the waters to get some feedback on your employee. And and that does a couple things. First, if there are some, if you are dealing with some negative perceptions, some baggage, well, you'll get some feedback, but it also helps to, to put these decision makers on notice too, that you're gonna take the feedback to your employee and this is an opportunity for a reset. And that, Hopefully, over time, these, these decision makers or your manager will see a different scenario play out. The progress will be made. But once you get that feedback, uh, you do need to, as Joe talked about, you have to have the honest discussion. You have to pump the brakes with your employee. Have the dialogue. Give the feedback that perhaps this may not be the right time. So you really do need to demonstrate that managerial courage by bringing that feedback to your employee, and then the process starts. And as a manager, you have, uh, you own the piece on making sure you're providing the right opportunities for your employee to demonstrate that, that those changes are taking place. Uh, but your employee owns those action steps. Uh, they own their plan. You're helping them to create it and providing them with the specifics, the action steps, but they own executing that plan as well. 
The last thing I want to leave you with, for those of us in senior leadership positions, I, I love what Kim was talking about in, in creating a culture of redemption. All right, we all make mistakes. There's not a single one of us out there that is perfect. And when you work in a, in a culture that truly believes in redemption and gives the employees the opportunities to demonstrate their capabilities and the progress and the progress that they are making, that's when true growth, true employee development happens as well, particularly around trying to overcome some of these negative perceptions that, that may be out there. And in some cases that are not necessarily accurate either. So I do want to just take the time to thank Joe, Kim, and Paul for having the discussion with me. And thanks again for listening. And I'll see you on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with a friend or colleague who you think might also get some value from it. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast.